0: Today however at the beginning of the program here Gary Baker has uh, brought a friend along <clears throat> who has been uh, where well, I'm fascinated to get into the discussion with uh, Greg Garrett who is with us in our studio here about a book that he's written called Competing in the Connecting World and it's kind of like how do we keep up with this I don't know it's like a a, a cage that we're in you know like a uh, what do they call those? What, a hamster cage? Hamster cage, you know. It's going faster and faster. How do we keep up with that? So, Gary, why don't you introduce this guest with with us right now? I think
1: you, I think you just did. I've known Greg Garrett for well over a decade. He's probably the most innovative person I know. Uh, he has a group of other innovation officers in large companies that uh, that he has organized and continues to uh, uh, to lead. Uh, I joined them uh, formally uh, for a while while I was the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer, one of the top ten mortgage originators. And and every time Greg comes up with something new and unique to talk about, I didn't know that he had a book in him. And he did and does. And now it's uh, something we can all read, which is competing in the connecting world. Uh, And... uh, it's, on, it's one of Amazon's bestsellers. Greg, welcome to the Internet Advisor Show.
2: Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Good to have you all aboard. Now, don't go John Wayne on us with just these three-word answers, okay?
1: He won't be able to answer this in three words. So all right. how, how long ago did you start writing this book, and why did you do it?
2: Well, the actual writing was about twenty four months ago, about two years uh, the the creation of the content has been you know my lifetime probably, but at least uh, ten to fifteen as I've been working with uh, with my co-author uh, dr. Warren Ritchie. Uh, why we did it, uh, I guess it was kind of twofold uh, one, we've seen this world connecting around us uh, the internet of things things connecting to the internet uh, uh, experiences starting to transform and blend together for some time and We've been advising uh, our our firms that we have been with or our clients for some time and being able to, we think, uh, make them think a little different, plan differently, transform their companies. But the real catalyst uh, for me is when we started teaching a course uh, at a local business school, an engineering school at Oakland University. Oh, and, and we have, uh, you know, 30 to 40 mid-level to senior-level uh, executives in, in that course. And ah. the conversation's changed. The conversation's changed over oh, the last okay. five years. Five years ago, I was trying to convince them that the world was connecting. Uh, the last semester, I asked the students, why did you take it? One of them raised their hand and said, the course description is the exact same as my job description, and I better show up and learn how I'm Supposed to run my job, and uh, somewhere between those things, we thought, well, maybe this maybe this is kind of interesting to more people than just ourselves.
1: Huh. So it started out as curiosity, and now it's maybe fear, right? They, they <laughs> <figure> this out.
2: <laughs> fear is a great way to motivate people. I tell you, it's probably one more way more uh, effective than uh, than opportunity for certain.
0: What is it that people fear with this kind of change? That's on the horizon, or that's already disrupting a business that they're in. I think there's all
2: kinds of different things that uh, that people fear from the consumers on up. But leaders, uh, business leaders, uh, you know, inertia is a strong force in successful companies. We, we've done some studying on this, and large companies and small companies both have their uh, ability to pivot and make change. Large companies because they maybe control um, the, the 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 channel, or because they have a lot of cash on hand. Small companies because they don't have much to lose and they can pivot. But successful mid-sized companies are the ones that uh, I, I get stuck, and a lot of times it's because people have grown up their entire career leading a particular way, leading in a stable environment. Everything they've learned, they've learned uh, in an environment and uh, for one set of rules, and then all of a sudden someone shows up and wants to change the rules on them, and that becomes difficult.
1: You know, I um, I've many many times have innovated by taking something that was very successful. In a different industry and adapting and adopting it to uh, to the situation I was in, do you see a lot of that happening, or is this brand new innovation?
2: Well, I think that uh, innovation can be you know the, the way you you solve these problems can be can stem a bunch of different ways. So sure, that happens. the The interesting thing about this particular time that we're we're living in, is that it's it's not uh, uh, it's not not affecting any single industry. It's affecting all industries, and academics would tell you yeah. that this type of thing is called a, a technological discontinuity, a big term, but what it basically says is uh, this technology is permeating all industries and really all yeah. people at the same rate as electrical power distribution or yep. the internal combustion engine. And it's kind of the it's the it's the next wave of of the internet. I mean you've been advising on the internet here on this show for some time now, yeah, yeah. now it's permeating into products and into into mm-hmm. places that the internet never was before, and so that silicon change
3: is really happening, yeah, and it's happening at a much faster rate because oh, yeah. you know the technology adoption of the telephone took you know fifty years, and then you find today the the growth to get to a billion phone users was fifty years the time to get to a billion Facebook users was like 50 months. Right. So you know, that technology adoption curve is just accelerating faster and faster and faster. Yeah,
2: sure. I mean, I think okay. the consumers and society is willing to adopt it at a much faster rate, but also a lot of the tools are there, right? So there, in the past, uh, 30, 40 years ago, if you had a great idea that was IT, information technology related, you had to hit. Uh, you had to go build a, a data center. Now you can just go hit the cloud and be, be in your garage and ready to roll.
0: Yeah, amazing. All right, we're gonna plumb some more of these issues with our guest uh, Greg Garrett. He is a co-author of a book called "Competing in the Connecting World." He and Warren Ritchie co-authored that. We'll be back in just a moment to continue our conversation about this disrupting world. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, Mike Parsons, thank you for engineering in there. And for the rest of you, uh, for joining us for what will be our podcast. Um, I want to thank also Greg Garrett, who's with us in studio. He co-authored a book uh, with Warren Ritchie called Competing in the Connecting World. And Gary Baker has uh, known him for quite a while and said, I think this is somebody that our audience needs to hear about. So, Gary, I'll hand it back to you.
1: Well, you know, Greg has been... Uh, helping companies for a long time through his firm, CGS Advisors. Uh, Greg, how, how do you go about uh, teaching companies to be more innovative? Some companies are going through this the, the very large-scale enterprise kind of transformation, but other companies are trying to figure out how to get started. What, what's a couple words of advice that you might have for them?
2: Yeah, sure. The, every company starts from a different spot, right? But there are some patterns that uh, that probably make sense, and and we we see things broken down into thirds. Uh, oftentimes, is first they, there needs to be motivation. So perspective is one of the things that we try to bring to them. If uh, if we show up with a client and a, and a firm that uh, doesn't really know where the industry is going or where their, their customer base is going, we try to help them figure that out to motivate them to uh, of why they're innovating. Once that's done, having them really innovate to a purpose, so understanding what the, what the capabilities they're trying to drive towards, uh, just doing more of the same or doing what they're doing a little bit better. I, that is a form of innovation, but likely they already have that in process improvement or different ways that they can tackle that. So really understanding where their biggest capability gaps are. And then lastly, uh, helping them live that, that journey, and we like to use the word bravery for leaders. Uh, we try to help leaders remain brave beyond just the, uh, the initial kickoff, and uh, have them oh, yeah. drive, drive
0: it out. Yeah, hold on tight, boys.
2: Absolutely, the wind's about to blow. Absolutely, and it's uh, it, it is tough. It's tough to for as we said earlier in the earlier segment. Uh, it's difficult when when you've had so much success that for you don't believe that this is actually just going to continue to come. It's uh, it's tough for Gary, people to want to change.
0: You know, uh, Gary Baker, you have seen so many companies. We uh, the rest of the guys kind of kid about it, but we've we've lost track of the number of companies you've worked for and consulted for. Um, how much of what's being talked about now has come up in in your discussions and in your work with these different companies and whether they're hospitals or banks or whatever they may have been?
1: Yeah, it, usually I get asked to come in when there's a big hairy problem to solve, and that's what I like to do. If you've got something where you're just running business as usual, you probably don't need me. Um, so that's why I've been following Greg. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, you know, his thought process, the innovation that I've seen him think about, talk about, uh, I've used in many of the different companies uh, anything from, like when at Beaumont, we were trying to consolidate systems because there's three major hospital systems that all came together. Uh, You know, at Flagstar, it it was all around trying to to get compliant with some of what's our – our regulators were asking mm-hmm. us to do so. There was always big problems. Some of them were going into bankruptcy. Some went into bankruptcy, and we had to figure out how to get them out. Mm. And uh, you never can do—you never can get them out doing the same thing that got them in. So you got to come up with something new. And uh, so innovation plays a big part uh, in my whole career.
3: Karsten, well, you know, I—I I got Greg's book, and what I've always said is that a good book will give you information a great book will make you think. And I'm going through the book, and you know, it's making me think, but I got to Chapter 5, and Greg, it absolutely blew me away. I mean, uh, you know, just the concept of going back to Simon Sinek, and if you haven't seen that YouTube video of him talking about start with why, it was transformative. And, and what Greg has written is right up there with that, applied to a business environment. That's what so uh, very nicely said. And I very much appreciate that. Absolutely. So, how do you go through a process and what steps? I mean, is there like a cookbook to go through this process of yeah. innovation?
2: Sure. Well, it, well, I think that uh, you probably saw it in the book. It's the uh, it's the picture that's repeated over and over again. I you know I teach in a business school and I've got an MBA, but uh, I'm I'm not really a a business book kind of reader really. And so I, I it, when we put this together, we put a lot of pictures and <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of subtitles. Anyways, the picture that you see oftentimes, and there is our, our transformation framework. And so we, we have kind of uh, two things that you would call off from that. One is looking at uh, three layers, the industry disruption layer, the firm transformation layer, and then the leadership layer of uh, keeping them motivated, and then a three-step process that we call the first mile, uh, talking about gaining the perspective, understanding that capability gap and understanding how you want to fill it, and then actually actually implementing. And, on, on chapter five, on, on the strategy uh, piece, which I think you're, you're speaking with, The the thing that's always helped me the most, the one nugget, I tell my students, hey, listen to me for an hour, try to pull out three things, write down three things. So here's one for your listening audience. No matter if you're running a small business or a large business, uh, the term strategy gets thrown around so often. Yeah. And and breaking down, what what do you mean by strategy into three different types? Corporate strategy, answering the question, what business are you even in? And is that changing? Is all this connectivity going to change the business, the Uh. business you're in? The next layer business strategy, how do you compete in that business? Are you going to be the low-cost low provider? Or are you going to lock in uh, in a different way? And then eventually what most people in the world, at least large companies, talk about is functional strategy and really how you deploy the resources and gain the capabilities necessary to go. So that would be my nugget from Chapter 5 that I'd uh, lay out there that's worked for us.
3: Yeah, that that start with with why, and you talked about the first mile. When I read that, I thought about marathon runners. If I run a marathon... It's the last six miles that are most important. But if you talk to the competitors and the world-class competitors, they say that the first six miles is most important. And some say oh, really? that the r- races won or lost in the first mile because you're setting the pace and you're setting your strategy for your run. So all that comes back to the things you're talking about.
2: Yeah, for certain. It is It is metaphoric for sure. And, and uh, I'm not a marathon runner. My wife is, but I'll, I'd never be. But uh For us, it's just really you need to get moving. There's so many people in paralysis. There's so many folks saying, well, this is just the next big change. But, uh, no, very few are getting moving, and what we're trying to do is light the fire to say
0: you can't wait. All right, Greg, I have a challenge for you from us, and this is kind of, uh, if you will, selfish on my part. But I was hoping when we got you in here today we could talk about our show because we've been on the air for 20 years calling ourselves the Internet Advisor, and to a certain extent that's gone. You know, the, the advising about the Internet. What do you mean advise about it? It's here. It's like advising about oxygen. It's in the air. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, but now we're talking about
3: drones and medical innovation yes. and social media and Internet addictions. It's not about the Internet. It's about how do we personally incorporate this into our lives in a good way. And I think there's a message in your book for that as well. How do we as consumers and investors leverage what you're talking about.
2: No, for certain. I mean, the Internet is certainly here, and it's here to stay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this this connecting world or the end state, the connected world, is certainly just a permeation of that underlying Internet, and, and that hasn't quite developed yet, and people are still going to need a lot of advice. And I'd say that I'm su- assuming over the last 20 years you've had lots of interesting conversations. Oh, some yeah. people might be calling you up about the router or uh, just just making the internet work and maybe you're getting less calls about that but you're going to be getting more calls about how do I make my refrigerator work or how do I make my appliance work or how do I, in in the biggest term, integrate all these things because that's going to be the secret Uh, for both the companies. How are these different brands and products and experiences integrating naturally together? And really, for the consumers, if you're an early adopter, uh, God forbid you get out there too early because it's not going to integrate with anything. Where, when oh, do you yeah. buy? How do you buy? How do you drive that? So I think that that's content-wise going to be a, a, a very important piece for another
3: another decade. Well, it's scary because. When you think about my Fitbit's got to talk to my refrigerator that's going to talk to my internet-connected fork, which was in Chapter 1, that's going to talk to my physician. It's going to talk to my car. It's going to talk to my calendar, because if I eat too much, as you related in the book, I eat too much, and you know what happens and what's the impact yeah over
2: time uh, there's going to be lots of impact but, but the integration uh, has been a role that systems integrators right these are big big firm or big uh, IT terms for large companies and whatnot these have been real terms but the consumer has always been the ultimate integrator and in the connected world uh, hopefully the brands will take on some of that uh, some of that for them
0: excellent all right we're going to be uh, coming back in just a bit uh, to continue talking with uh, competing in the connecting world with Greg Garrett, uh, co-author of Warren Ritchie, and uh, I, I still want to find out how do we break, how do we break out and become something new for the next 20 years? Back with that in a minute. Welcome back. We've got a <laughs> croak. <laughs> We've got a, uh, some lines open here if you want to call in. If you have a question in particular, 800-859-0957. Cassin, you the point you wanted to make.
3: Yeah, you, you know, I've, in reading the book, Greg talks about an application for Android and iPhone called Waze. W a z e. I've had it loaded on my phone for probably two, two and a half years. Yeah, me too. And, and it's kind of like uh, Apple Maps or Google Maps on steroids because I uh, I haven't used Waze until I was driving down to the beach uh, back in June with my brother, and he's using it, and it's up on the car display. And it's saying, you know, there's an obstruction in the road or the traffic's starting to back up about a mile ahead or, you know, there's there's a police police officer, (laughs) officer, all all of that, you know, dead animal in the road, all these really active things. The way that the user interacts with it as, as a listener is very, very useful. But what makes this so powerful is the convergence of the car, the Internet, the mobile device, all these things. Oh, yeah. But most importantly integrating the people into the network, because they become the information source. So how does that affect us, Greg, in, in where we take this innovation?
2: Yeah, we, so we talk a lot about the different kind of uh, mapping products, no matter if it's MapQuest or, or or Waze or Google Maps, et cetera, in the book, because there's such great uh, examples of, of two-sided business models, and specifically a, a unique or a a growing trend in, in digital businesses uh, called the network effect where the more people you have in the network, the, the more valuable the network itself is. Mm. And uh, there's it, it, a saying that's gotten pretty popular around strategy circles at least is if you're looking at your business and uh, uh, and you're, you're a consumer of a business and you're not paying for the service you're getting, uh, you're likely the product. Uh, you just may not recognize recognizing it. So all of you that listen and use any of these maps to get places, uh, unless you're writing a check uh, every month, What's happening is these companies are, are monetizing your data uh, for uh-huh. you, basically. You as an individual driving from uh, the northern suburbs to, the, to Detroit, I used Waze to get here today to make sure I wasn't going to hit the traffic for the concert. Yep. Um, uh, you know, they, I, I can't sell my individual data to anybody. No, uh, no big brands are going to want to do that. But when they aggregate it together, they provide me a nice service that says, here's the best way to get where you're going fastest. That's why I'm willing to trade that information for them to be able to package that information now and go sell it to advertisers or municipalities or car brands etc. So for us this is always one of the most uh, interesting things for my course. I love having the uh, I love having the uh, the students start learning that oh, this is what's going on because the the kids keep getting younger and younger. I ask them when, when was the first time you got a had a mobile device, a cell phone and when I started teaching years ago, it was in the middle school, and now the average is around uh, second uh, second grade or so. Wow! And but they don't ask, and they don't really understand the underlying economics of how these apps are coming to them. Oh. And not. So this is this is what we're trying to teach, uh, you know, business leaders as well as consumers. You should know you should know what the business is all about.
4: Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the points I was going to bring up is what about the inadvertent consumers of these products? I'm buying a refrigerator, I'm buying a TV. These things are all internet connected. I just want it to work. I don't. Yeah, I what, don't want I don't want my data sold. And what and, if
3: I don't want to be the product?
4: <laughs> what if I don't want to be <laughs> exactly? I I just want to have a washing machine that washes my clothes with a couple buttons, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this stuff can be really complicated, especially for a lot of our listening audiences, which is, you know, uh, the older people. That you know, I just want a refrigerator where I can open up and and I don't need it to order my groceries for me.
2: Sure, sure. I, I mean, first of all, whatever the main function of the of the product or the service that you're getting, if it doesn't if it doesn't cool your food, for instance, it's and, but it's connected and it orders uh, fresh food for you. It's not going to be a good refrigerator. So the core yeah, function right, needs exactly. to still be there. Over
3: time, uh, uh,
2: these things will start to, uh, to to play out. So, absolutely, if you want to buy a map uh, and not use uh, an internet connected one, you probably can still find <laughs> somewhere to do that. You
4: know, that's the great point. Uh, I, I can't remember. I, I I cleaning up my glove box and I'm like, what am I still doing with a
3: Michigan uh, map? I Is I right in here? <laughs> I didn't see it. Anymore. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah. when you go to zero bars, you have no coverage and you don't know I where to go there. Too. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. But at agree. the other
4: point, my wife um, who was technology negative about it at all, it took her two years before she would even start text messaging. She didn't understand why someone would want to send a text message upstairs to downstairs. It's because I don't want to scream my head off. And it's simpler to, to communicate with your kids with a text message. And, and she finally got that after – she finally admitted to me after several years, okay, I get it now. And
2: she found her value, and that's the thing with all consumers yes. in general. All of your listening audience, they, they should find their value at some point. If they have no choice, that might be a, a difficult thing. But, yes. uh, but the interesting thing is most of them will find their value.
0: Gary?
1: Greg, there's been uh, a lot of conversation around privacy uh, lately, different than security, right? And kids today, they don't seem to care about privacy. Uh, older people, we, we tend to want to guard our privacy a little bit more. Do you see innovation in that area? You mentioned uh, that companies can, can monetize your information for you, like Waze, does it uh, um, anonymously. Any other types of innovation you see in that area coming up?
2: Technical innovation, I, I wouldn't probably be able to speak to because I'm not an expert uh, on, on it today, but what I what I found fascinating about three years, four years ago, we, uh, we, we interviewed a, a very large population of new car buyers and asked them about the connected car because one of our clients was concerned that nobody was going to want their connected vehicle product. And uh, what we found in that I think is probably plays into this is if brands are honest, so they tell you that, that you're, they're collecting the information, and they give you value, either they give you a service for free or they give you uh, a discount or they treat you better than they would if they couldn't. What we found in the survey is the strong majority, over two-thirds, said uh, it's not a problem for us. You know, there's, I think there's always going to be laggards and there's always going to be different pieces, but uh, there's going to need to be that balance between security and privacy. And then within the privacy circles, how do you uh, balance these new interesting business models to populations that may just not fit them, and likely there'll be a population of, uh, of companies out there serving that exact population that way for them for some period of time.
3: Well, the irony of us old fogies who are using Facebook, and everybody's concerned about the privacy ah, on <laughs> Facebook, the young kids aren't using it probably because they knew they were giving the information away <laughs> from the very start That's improperly. The-
1: Hello, and I think they're not using it because we are.
3: Well, yeah. You know, my kids say, oh, if
1: you're using it, it can't be that cool. i better go find something else to use.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, point. but that whole idea that now that we know that our privacy was compromised and, you know, you see the level of drop-off from Facebook not dropping off, I just scratch my head and go, and and I... I deleted my Facebook account, for the record. So, you know, it, it's just ironic that we say that privacy is, and you know, is important, but our actions are saying there's more value in Facebook yeah. than being concerned about the privacy.
0: Hey, uh, Craig from Detroit is with us. Craig, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Did you have a question?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, my name is
0: Doug Sattel. What... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got to uh, crossed our lines there. Okay, uh, where am I at? Oh, oh we're, listen, we're getting close to the end of the time uh, we have with you, Greg and Caston, uh, You had a um, an idea for us to get some of these books. Yeah, Greg, Greg was
3: nice enough to bring three books in here, and uh, we'd love to give them away to our listeners. If uh, even if uh, you're not innovating in business, maybe you've got a son-in-law or a brother-in-law or a friend who is mid-level or higher-level management in a small, medium, large-sized company, or somebody just loves leadership and technology books. We've got three of them here. And what we'd like to do is invite people to uh, write us an email on our website, uh, internetadvisor.net, And give us one of the great takeaways that you found from this. And uh, our unbiased judges here in the studio will (laughs) pick three people and send copies of these books that will be signed by the author, Greg Garrett. I love it. Exciting times.
4: That's okay, easier. so internetadvisor.net, you can fill out the uh, email request there, right, and, right. And, and 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 Kasten will e- <laughs> make me the judge, jury, and mail these to you.
3: <laughs> ah, you left off executioner. <laughs> no, well, you, no, no, executioner. means I
0: actually mail it. Yeah, 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 I, I, I got you. <laughs> That's the execution. That's right. Oh, uh, Greg, it's been good having you here with us. Um, what is? What are the next steps for you?
2: Well, it's uh it's been a two-year journey in this. So a little of it is breathe
0: and, <laughs> uh, and get
2: out and talk about this and uh but but a lot of it is try to take and live this stuff. I I I say all the we call the the employees for our firm CGSers. We, the CGSers help uh, make this stuff real. I just talk about it a lot and uh help other people think about it. So I'll be teaching uh, up at Oakland University again this fall in the, in the MBA course and out advising companies and uh, hopefully maybe speaking with some of the
0: listeners uh, over time here. Excellent. The book is called Competing in the Connecting World. Uh, the future of your disrupted industry is already here. That's kind of a frightening statement in some ways, isn't it, to yeah. some companies?
2: I think it is. And, and uh, you know, speed matters. It, you just can't wait any longer. Yeah. Greg, thank you. Have you. To,
1: Go ahead. Yeah, all you have to do is think about Xerox, right? Or Kodak. Or Kodak.
2: Yeah, that's
1: true. Or many others. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's
2: all a right. There's lot more around this town too that you can think about. Unfortunately, that uh, yeah. that, that are no longer here. Yeah, we so. never thought yep. would be gone. Exactly.
0: All right, Greg. Thank you so much for being here with us, and we'll be